It says live on Facebook. <laughs> we are now streaming live on Facebook. So let me start. <laughs> let me start the show. Hold on. Going to be a really people big always get day. to see behind this. Hey, everyone gets to see behind the scenes because of how delayed this stuff is. Oh, and people are like, are you guys on? Yes, Boy, yes. that Johnny sure draws a Nebraska crowd. I didn't, I didn't know they were so aggressive with, <laughs> with their, their loved ones. The Nebraska crowd, did you say? Yes, I yes. Didn't, I didn't think they could get a crowd in Nebraska. Are there that many people there? Well, you're going to find out once Johnny gets on, because people from Nebraska are texting me. Oh, well, it looks yes. like, yeah, well, Johnny, thank you for bringing us the state of Nebraska. We appreciate that. Yeah, uh, for sure. Hey, you know, we, you know, after 50 shows, if we time it right, we'll have all, you know, we'll all have all 50 states. I love it. We are officially live. In a world of divisiveness, we bring you diversity. In a world of hate, we bring you love. In a world of fear, we inspire you to live. And now, laughing, loving, and alive with your hosts, Rain Thomas, Elmer J. Howard, and Dr. Kevin. Hello. I am Dr. Strange. Oh. And I'm Dr. Love. <laughs> and who else is, do we have on here? I don't know. Are you who do you want to be Parker? tonight? Give me the news. I guess I'm Rain Thomas tonight then. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I guess so. He's Dr. Strange. I'm Dr. Love. I thought that you were going to give us the news and... Tell me you had a bad case of loving me, the blues. Oh, I'm gonna tell you, it's a, come up and see me sometime. <laughs> <laughs> I had there's a lot I could say there, but uh, it is a Facebook Live, so I'm. It is a Facebook Google. Live, and we have. You know what? I'm gonna start and tell you something really exciting. So I've been posting, and you know I always do. Uh, Elmer, nice. your turn. Excited face. Excited face. Yes. <laughs> And, you know, we get different people every time we do our show. People are like, are you on? Where's the person from? Oh, that's so fun. And, you know, people text me, you know, during the show and before the show and after the show. And I got to tell you, we have people watching tonight. Um, I'm in Arizona tonight. So we have people from Arizona, New York City, Nova Scotia, Edmonton, friends from London, uh, I, lots of I Canadians. Have, I have some special guests so as some of you know, we are, let me, hold on, let me pull this. Let me. Oh, we are on, we're actually on set of Kings and Queens. This is Melissa. She wrote the story. Hey, Melissa. In it. This is Brett, my DP and producer. Hi. Hi, Brett. Hi. So we're fine. So we have four people watching us live right now. Woohoo, hi everyone. <laughs> Hey, yes, we are. And I don't know if you heard it. We have people watching from all over the world. Um, our guest somehow is a favorite of a lot of people. So when I, they post Nebraska. Yes, Nebraska, but people from Canada, um, Edmonton and Nova Scotia said, oh, we can't wait to see him. Um, some people from Virginia and let's see, where yeah, else we yeah, have yeah. Vegas, uh, uh, London. 
is, is Johnny Beeman. Johnny Beeman. We can so, hear Johnny, you, Elmer. You know, Johnny can hear you in the back. I, it, we, Hi, Johnny. So they were asking, who's our guest? It's a Dr. Kevin. I'm like, no, 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 he's a host. So we have Johnny Beaner on tonight. Yes, he's a, you know what? He's a funny dude. When we bring him on, I'll do the whole intro. I don't know him, but I feel like I know him. But because I'm a shameless beggar, when I see people perform in different places, you know, I'm like, why not have that person on? They inspire through laughter and healing, which is what we're all about, and yeah. being alive. And he has some funny skits. And um, my favorite, you know, we'll talk about, are you guys gonna be able to hear it or is Elmer gonna do that all by himself over there? I think, uh, I think he's gonna do it all by himself. <laughs> ah. oh, oh, well, then I'll have to tell my, he'll have to tell you my story and let you listen to it. Well, we can watch it back, we yeah. watch it. We can watch it again. It's on Facebook, I was thinking yeah. Facebook. Yeah, it's on Facebook. That's before we're all like famous and stuff and, and <laughs> on like iTunes and was that P-Bean? Podbean. Podbean. I'm close. <laughs> P-bean. I'm getting okay. older by the day. <laughs> is that yellow? Is that yellow P-bean? Green P-bean? Wax P-bean? Oh, boy. Here we go. This show never stays on track. <laughs> it does stay on track. It just never stays on the track you want it to stay on. It's and then on there's that. Track, okay. Are you talking to a Doctor Who fan? My TARDIS goes from track to track, simultaneous multi-universe, you know, type of track. There we go. So I love your shirt. You love dogs. It was nice for you to show up with that and two two dogs to join you to show us how much you love them. <laughs> oh my! Oh. <laughs> they look so. You can cute. see our hosting skills are going down. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not be talking about me going down. Oh, wait a minute. Somebody oh, said, yeah. don't, yeah, let's, somebody said, don't forget they're in Baton Rouge. Hey, Larry, we didn't forget you. Look at that. Hey. <laughs> hey, fake, fake book. Well, you know, so that's interesting because we always have a little chat before we start. Well, so to tell, wait a second, before we get into the fake book chat, so <laughs> you get, you get two minutes, I'm timing you, tell us about Kings and Queens, and then we can move on to the important stuff. Go ahead. Yes. It's your story. Um, it's a story about a girl who's just kind of lost and coming into her own, trying to find her authentic self. And she finds it and is embraced by the local drag community. And uh, she ends up taking the stage as a drag king for the first time at the end of the movie. So it's uh, some story anyone can relate to, whether you're part of the drag community or not. Um, just finding that inner peace and that authentic of yourself that's that's missing that I think we all struggle with finding at some point. Okay, so that inner peace is that like the piece that you use the duct tape on, or is that the piece that yeah. you use to hold the wig, or is all that of it. the bustier piece? All of it. Yeah, all of it. Did you did you were you listening? Why I said that I was running late for the show? No, they weren't here yet. Oh, okay. I was running late for the show because my mother-in-law is over and we were watching RuPaul's Drag Race for the, she'd never seen it. So it was, it was the first time. And I get a call from Rain and I'm in the middle of, you know, and there's my mother-in-law watching RuPaul and blah, blah, blah. And I say, ah, shut up. I'm supposed to be on air. Bye. So it she's was actually in three. Um, I just want to let this little group know with Elmer, um, you're going to have all sorts of issues filming 
because I really wanted the main role. <laughs> and so because I, for whatever reason, didn't get the main role, you're just going to have to run this until I, it's just I not come. Be the same without you. I know. I mean, I want to be a drag queen. Start practicing. Yeah. No, that, Start trust practicing. me. Been, been there. I'm from New York City where, you know, we've done the drag queen thing. That's why I couldn't believe I wasn't in, in this movie. So I'm just going to keep my little voodoo dolls out. So. <laughs> well, who is no. in charge? So, so let me ask this question. Who is in charge of casting? Cricket, Cricket. Oh, well, well, actually, see, she wrote a character under 30. That was the lead character. Okay, so 31 was too old? <laughs> yeah. She can play under 30. We just have to cut an inch off her pumps. That's all. Exactly. Let's <laughs> <laughs> let her in a little more bustier. She could pass. See? So See? now what? Get on a plane. You got... 12 hours. <laughs> Especially if everybody else doesn't come back soon, right? I told, hey, we, uh, I, told uh, her, oh, yeah. I told her that we had some COVID. COVID yeah. yeah co I, Dr. Kevin, COVID is causing us problems. We've had uh, our grip. Uh, we won't have her Monday and maybe for the rest of the shoot because he hasn't got his test results back. Two of our actors, one who one we could get away with, but the other is really a, a major, not a, not the main role, but it's a supporting role enough that if his tests don't come back, it's going to cause some, some, some issues. Well, Almer, I've known you for a long time, and it's certainly not the first time you've lost your grip. Almer's going to be putting on the bustier if uh, <laughs> that serves you. That won't be a first time either. No. <laughs> he, he, okay, he now we're putting everybody's business out. She outed, she outed me. We were on, uh, we were doing the rehearsals with the two main actresses and I was saying, you know, I'm part of the queer community, so I've never really done drag. And she's like, yes, you have. And one's like, oh, you've been outed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I'm only an hour away, so, you know, just let me know. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm hours away and I would still do it. Are you still in Vegas? No, I'm in Arizona tonight. Oh, you are? For the next are? few okay. days. Yeah, for the next yep. few days, so. Yeah, I'm out here. It's a cancer tune-up week. So getting all my blood work and all my bone work and all that stuff just to make sure everything's great. Yeah, I, I'm fine. I'm, you know, a, a, a drag queen is hard to, you know, beat down. Just hint, hint. <laughs> and speaking of non-drag queens, I want to talk about our guest. You guys are going to love this guy. Thank you. Have fun. Thank you. Good seeing you guys. And Elmer fainted again. I mean, this Johnny Beater has the strangest effect on you, Elmer. You just pass out and just get out of the... <laughs> so this is somebody, Dr. Kevin, that I don't know personally, but now I do. I feel like he's, I mean, you guys know me, you know, friends for life, they're people I respect. And, um, and this is not one of them. Yeah, go ahead. Well, you know, close enough, at least not Did yet. Did you hear that, Johnny? Be prepared. Go ahead. I can't wait. I'm setting you up for some jokes here. Go ahead. <laughs> so I, I watched him. I've been following him for a while. And then he did this uh, stand-up piece called Hippie Wife, Hippie Life. And I instantly thought of my husband because, you know, 
and my husband I'm sure was fine being he's super contemporary you know he loves everything new and shiny and you know and here I am like digging out of the trash and you know try this soap made out of rocks and when I saw his his skit I fell on the floor my husband's like okay I'm like there's somebody else out there with a hippie wife that doesn't understand how they went from being a normal guy using normal soap to being like a Neanderthal because of their wife and, you know, eating stuff that they would need, you know, for sticks and branches. And then I started looking more into him. And I remember seeing him a while ago on the David Letterman show. I wasn't sure it was the same person, but then I, you know, social media. And I thought, I really like that guy. He's so funny. And then I heard him on like Sirius XM and um, his comedy is clean and fun. He's just an all around good guy. So, you know, I know this is corny and it's also because I'm old, but I can't resist. Ladies and gentlemen, he's Johnny. <laughs> oh, thank you, my lifelong friend, Rain. Thank you. What a lovely introduction. It's good to meet you, Dr. Kevin. Hey, you know, the pleasure is all yours. Thank you. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. You're, you're going to be the wacky one for this show. Yeah. Huh? For this show? I'm the serious one. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. If you say so. so. <laughs> you know. I want to, I want to, um, because Dr. Kevin's going to ask you lots of questions. Elmer doesn't really say anything unless he has to. Um, I don't think he likes people, but we all know that, and that's fine. That's he why I'm behind part. the camera. <laughs> exactly, that's it. But so that's um, your backside we're looking at. <laughs> right. He's behind the camera. <laughs> Johnny, they used to live roommate style somewhere, so sometimes things come up that I probably should hear. But you feel free to use it in your shows. Oh, okay. <laughs> and if you have anything come up, let us know about it. You know, hey, I'll let you know something. Pops up. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, if it, what, pops, okay. if it hits your bike into your nose, we'll know. <laughs> what kind of uh, what, what are you a doctor in, if I may ask? Uh, divinity. Ah, oh, I'm being told not to ask. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can ask. My doctorate's in divinity, uh, the, which is the nature of the spirit of man, not to be confused with theology. So. Uh -huh. All what right. brought in out of the caves, over the waters, up into the air, what makes us evolve, what makes us move forward. So it's actually pretty heavy, serious stuff. And then I come here. So don't <laughs> so you're saying don't don't show you my boil and ask you what it is. I'll tell you what it is. <laughs> you may not like it, but well, actually, you know, I I I have my the the woo-woo, the woo-woo side of the work I do. So I'm actually a medical intuitive. So if you showed me your boil, I might tell you, you know, two and a half minutes, cut it open a little <laughs> butter and salt and you'll be all set. All right, well, I'm gonna go vomit. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, it's good to be here. Thank you for having me on the program. Well, we're excited and, you know, a lot of people, it, again, I posted, you know, you're coming on at seven and people were texting me and they're like, oh, I know that guy. He's so fun. He's so clean. You know, oh my goodness. Where is he now? Um, as per my post, he's with us now. So yes, you know, listen to I'm on him. the show now. 
<laughs> right. And they are people asking questions and getting messages. And um, a couple of people wanted to know, you know, they said they've watched a lot of your comedy stand-up skits and are they called like stand-up skits? What are they actually called? Uh, well, I don't know what, like the, oh, the stand-up. Yeah. Just like bits or yeah. I don't know. Chunks. Okay. <laughs> so you want to call them, like the, the, the online, the online ones are like, yeah. Online. Uh, I mean, they'll put like a bit on an individual bit or jokes, you know, I don't okay, know what so they're called. Tell me you don't know either, right? Exactly. I've only, <laughs> I've only been a comedian for 21 years and I don't know the terminology. Isn't that that's, a little that's funny? Okay. They want to know how. Yeah. They want to know what? <laughs> they they want to know, did are your jokes based on real life? I mean, is your wife really a hippie or is it, you know, how did it get? They know oh, I'm, I'm not, I'm not even married in real life. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> yes. Oh, what's your no, wife's it's telephone all, it's number? <laughs> I it's it's uh no yeah I mean nowadays it's it's all completely I mean when I started out it was very abstract and silly and 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 you know just absurd because I didn't have as much life experience I just was trying to be funny so I'd grab at anything but now you know I'm I'm a dad I'm a you know I'm married so yeah I, I everything's everything I say is pretty much true it's either true or it's true and then stretched into an exaggeration true-ish twisted yeah. your, your yeah, typical dad up. your typical dad true twisted but all the yeah all that soap stuff all that hippy dippy the yeah that's all woo, unfortunately true i guess it's fortunately for my health unfortunately for my you know i don't your know my, my taste buds <laughs> what what was the what was the hardest thing you had to struggle to please your wife by doing uh that's a good question the hardest thing i had to do that you had to struggle that you had to do to please your wife to keep peace and harmony in your marriage um Ooh, that is a good question i don't she's been she's very understanding mean, as far as career-wise She's never really stepped in front of it or put any ultimate. I mean, before we moved to LA and before I, you know, was really established as a headliner, I, I had to, I substitute taught because I was, I was, I was, you know, comedian and full-time comedian, but it just, you know, I'm featuring, I'm hosting at some places. I just hadn't been doing it long enough and wasn't making money and schedule wasn't as full as I wanted it to back then. And so I, you know, and I, and we had just gotten married. So I supplemented it by substitute teaching. And that, uh, probably the hardest, that, that was the hardest thing. I mean, I, and my wife is a teacher, so I, I, you know, which just made me respect what she does even more, uh, because it's, I can't control a classroom to save my life. It was terrible. I mean, I, I have, I have chunks, I have bits about substitute teaching, uh, that I don't really do anymore because it was so long ago. But I mean, I've I've been called every name. You know, imagine having a substitute teacher with the last name Beaner. That's not. <laughs> I just started going by Mr. B. You know, <laughs> I had stuff thrown in my head. I it was brutal. <laughs> I had kids just walk out. Well, you know, from what I understand, because I, I I will admit I've not seen any of your 
I haven't seen any of your bits, which probably makes your wife happy. So I don't know what, you know, like I just hear references to, you know, she's hippy dippy and you had a hard time adjusting and blah. So I thought, you know, was it uh, giving up the soap or was it having some kind of food that she said, no, 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 we can't eat or blah, blah, blah. So I was kind of thinking in those terms. Well, yeah, it's the eating. That's what it is. It's the eating. She's constant and it comes from a place of love because I grew up, I mean, I, you know, I started doing comedy. I'm a single guy. I never really had any health issues. So I'm, you know, just eating garbage my whole life. And then I meet her, we get married, you know, even before we were married, she's trying to get me to eat healthier. And uh, cause she's a very healthy person. And so that's been very hard, especially like when I'm on the road, that's kind of like my, that was before I was on the road, that was like, you know, it, it, a lot of it comes from laziness. I'm too lazy to prepare food. If I'm staying at a hotel, I don't want to go grocery shopping and try to figure out how to cook in a hotel. So it's just easier to eat garbage, fast food, whatever. But I will tell you this, since the pandemic and we're all quarantined and I have no work, I not even try. I'm not even trying. I haven't even tried. I just incidentally one day went on the scale. I have, I have lost 25 pounds, which just being quarantined because, and I, I treat it completely to, I don't eat fast food because I, you know, I can't sneak out to get fast food because there's no excuse to leave at all. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, I'm going to go. Uh, I got to run to the store. You shouldn't go to the store. There's COVID. Oh, yeah, I guess you're right. I really don't <laughs> need anything. So I can't sneak out, get food. I can't, you know, so it's all it's all healthy eating. Uh, and I started running. So that sort of helps. But I'm not that great. Now you can't say I'm going for a run and run to the fast food place to drive through. I should do that. It's so you know, far the closest fast food is so far it wouldn't even be worth it. So where where do you live these days? I mean we're in Madison, Wisconsin. We, I started when I started comedy. I was uh, well the first time I did it I was living in New York briefly with my brother because uh, I was in college and it was the summer so I just lived with him in between semesters. And that's where I started doing like open mic and bringer shows. And then I started really writing and doing my own shows in Milwaukee while I was in college. And, uh, and then we moved to Los Angeles for a few years. And then a year ago, we moved back to Wisconsin um, and decided to move to Madison instead of Milwaukee. Now, was this a quality of life, best for the kids? Was yeah, it it's just we wanted to raise our kids. We, we wanted to own, you can't, you know, I mean. Wanted to own your kids. We, you <laughs> we wanted to own one of our kids. We're renting two of them out. But we wanted to own a house. And, uh, you know, our, we bought, a, we bought a, a house that's, you know, four times bigger than our apartment was. And we're paying half to own it than we were to rent in LA because it's just so expensive out there. Uh, so that's, I have no regrets. It's great. We just got a trampoline in the backyard last week and oh, I'm in heaven. It's great. So wow, is the whole pandemic giving you, giving you a backlog of comedy you're gonna be able to break out with when it's time to go on the road again? Uh, you would think, I don't know, like, um, I, I had uh, my first like live show was a couple weeks ago and I decided to bring my son to it. And we, you know, I wore a mask. He had a mask and I was keeping him away from everyone and I was avoiding everyone. And it was, uh, it was an hour and a half from my house. And I was so excited. I had to show up on a pedestal. Cause I was like, finally get in front of a live audience. 
and I totally forgot. Well, a lot of a lot of one-nighter shows really suck, and this was one of them. They didn't even care, like, because you kind of feel like, you know, I'm going back to the shows are starting to come back some places. You think people are like starved for live entertainment, and so they're like overappreciative. Not not this place. They were just, you know, it was just people yelling stuff having a party at the table, not listening. And it was just not, uh, so that was, that was for, so I, and I was excited going in. I was like, I have all this new material and I'm trying it. And I'm like, Oh, well, I got to really bring the A game to keep their attention. So can't really be like being a substitute teacher again. huh? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But I had no, a, I had no a game as a teacher. So that just, I got eaten alive. Um, we got a comment for you. Oh, yeah, Nebraskan. Actually, I know her, Carolyn Smith. I know her because I do Mayberry Days, Andy Griffith show. And she said, saw you, Johnny, in Norfolk, Nebraska at the Great American Comedy uh, Festival yeah. with Paula Poundstone. Yes. She said, but giant mosquitoes. Giant mosquito. I don't remember the giant mosquitoes. Is she, she lives there or she just saw me there? I, she's in Nebraska. Okay, yeah, I was, I was pleased to hear there was such a large Nebraska contingency uh, <laughs> following this following this show. That's exciting. It is exciting. And you know what? I told you there were people that didn't know me, but I hashtag Nebraska on Instagram. And all of a sudden, like, everybody knew you. Uh, well, I, I mean, that's where I'm from originally. So I grew, I grew up in Omaha, Nebraska. I do the Funny Bone in Omaha a lot. Uh, it's a, that's Yeah, that's a great... And I go there a lot. I still have family in Omaha. So I was just there, I don't know, a few weeks ago for, uh, you know, a, a, f- a funeral and a wedding. So uh, oh, I, get to, I, get to, I get to Omaha uh, quite a bit. Yeah. Well, those okay. two things are not mutually exclusive. The funeral and the wedding? Yeah. Oftentimes people confuse the two. That's, that's true. That's true. <laughs> Yeah. Kind of like that one night stand thing he was saying. It's like, you know, that one night stand really sucks. I'm like, yeah, that's actually true on a lot of different platforms. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I was thinking, yeah. you know, if you're going to do something mutual, it might as well be in Omaha, right? <laughs> where <people laughs> Omaha is. <laughs> hey, Elmer. Yep. Do you have anything to ask John? He's he. I know he hates when I call him out. I can't help myself. <laughs> um, actually, Kevin keeps stealing my questions. I was gonna. I was, every time I think, go one and then. Um. So I know. So he just reads my mind. I send questions. You know. Yeah. <laughs> it's always my fault. That's why I wear Jim Crawford <laughs> shoulder pads. Um. So. What was it that it told you when that, that you had made it? What did, you know, we all have a, a moment when we go, oh, I made it. Now, sometimes oh. it turns out to be a false moment. Sometimes it was a, it was a premature, a premature moment. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, the, I, yeah, I don't feel like I've made it uh, when, when I'm doing uh, not this show, but like when I'm doing zoom stand-up shows, in my basement, you don't see, uh, I don't think uh, Jim Gaffigan or Kevin Hart are doing Zoom, Zoom stand-up shows from their basement and telling their wife, you got to keep the kids upstairs. I got I to gotta do yeah, a 15-minute set. Look, but look at the people that are doing it. I mean, you're 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 in company with like Jimmy Kimmel and that's true. That is all, true. 
I, I mean, I, I, I think that these, these people had made it James Corderman. I mean, these, these guys all made it. They're all doing it. They're all doing it on zoom. That's true. I, yeah. well, yeah, I, I think they they probably have a, a slightly higher viewership than my zoom shows, but, uh, we won't I tell don't know, you know, I'll, well, I'll answer your question. I think the first time I didn't feel like, Oh, I've made it, but I felt like, okay, I'm on the right track. It's coming any day now. I opened for Jim Gaffigan um, at in Milwaukee at the Paps Theater, uh, two New Year's uh, in a row. And uh, they're all sold out shows, big theater. And he, you know, really took a liking to me. And uh, so that was that was really exciting. Uh, and uh, and then down the road, I got on Late Show with David Letterman. And I really thought, all right. It's all coming together. And then there was a pandemic and everything. And I, I do have a question. Uh, how old are your kids and have you found the pandemic to be the quarantine, you know, the quarantining to be a blessing or a curse? Uh, it is with the, you know, being stuck at home with kids. Yeah. It's a nightmare. It's terrible. <laughs> uh, it's brutal. And we just, we just found out not long ago, they're staying, you know, they're doing all virtual again, oh, which basically yeah. means, oh, I have, you know, cause I did at the end of last school year, you know, when it started. And I, I mean, that's a, that's basically a full-time job. I'm teaching two kids from eight till three, you know, and it's, and, and they don't want to be doing it. They're in their house with all their toys. So it's hard uh the summer's been great we've been we've gone camping a lot just to try to mix it up and not just stay in the house the whole time um but uh yeah it's it's brutal i mean my kids my kids are seven six and one oh, wow. and uh you know the one-year-old i mean she's she's not getting any I mean, it's fine because she's so little, but we're just like concerned. She's she's not going to any daycare. She's getting no socialization, but that's fine because she's got two big, you know, she's got a big brother, big sister. So I, I have some really startling, stunning news. 50 years ago, no one year olds had daycare and they all basically turned out OK. That's, that's <laughs> really, a good point. That's a good point. You know, they actually knew how to communicate. They knew how to spell. They didn't know how to text yet, but that's okay because there was no cell phones. I mean, like, you know, kids at one can be so like interactive with so much stuff. And as long as you keep them off of devices, which uh, actually interfere with their development process, they're better um, off with colorful blocks and playthings and things they can pull together and tear apart. You know, so, you know, you give them your iPhone, you let them tear it apart, but you don't turn it on. You just give it to them so they can tear it apart and pull stuff like this. Well, that's another, I mean, I totally agree with you as far as the devices that we try to keep them, you know, I mean, we keep TV limited and and they have, you know, with virtual learning, the school gives them a laptop to use for this, this, you know, to Skype or Zoom in with the class and do, you know, whatever their projects are. And, you know, we, tr- we try to make sure they don't, you know, they only use it for that. And then we take them away. So they're not, you know, watching YouTube videos and just letting their brain rot. That's what we're trying to do. But, yeah. Uh, There's a lot of kinesthetically. I, I actually do work with, with kids some, and I have several books out on ADD and ADHD and I've done teacher trainings and stuff like that as part of what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but you know, there's just, there is a lot of home stuff that you can do and a lot of anesthetic, a lot of like kinesthetic stuff and teaching that you can make fun. You know, you can teach them the English language by how to write a joke. You can yeah. teach them better communication skills through giving them punchlines. You can, yeah. you know, teach them like how to count by how, how high can they count and keep their siblings head underwater without making <laughs> them drown. I mean, they're just like, they're, they're just great things you can do to, you know, like make it an interactive activity. My, my, my daughter knows how to tell a joke. She, uh, cause I've done these videos. Uh, I put them on, uh, I just put them on Facebook. I don't know if I put them on YouTube, but they're like, it's uh it's the news. It's called the Beaner nightly news. And my daughter's the anchor. And then the special guests are her siblings and they're pretty funny. And then we did it. We started a new one called, uh, up late with Edie Beaner. And, uh, it's a, it's a late night talk show. And that one she did, she killed it. She got her own little monologue. And then our one-year-old is on the ones and twos and, uh, it's good. And then my son, was the musical those. yeah, they, 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 they get more, they get better uh, traction than my stand-up clips, to be honest. <laughs> We're going to put a stop there because you have people that are still texting me. They're like, you know, to tell you that, you know, as kids, they played with dirt and they were lucky to have dirt. So you <laughs> might want <laughs> they get all sorts of fans. I don't, like, I don't like that argument. I don't go with that. Oh, it could have been worse. It could have been worse for everyone. There's only one person that's ever lived that it wasn't worse for. Everyone else, there's always could be worse. Hey, I'm from know. that had dirt happy girl. I mean, I'm I'm like a hundred, so I remember having to be home. I'm a New York City girl. Grew up in an 800 square foot apartment with yeah. no heat, no hot water, no AC. You know, but you, but you I, I had know, dirt. Yeah, but I had I had cement, and don't you forget <laughs> it. Oh, they had dirt. Anytime they moved the couch, there was plenty of it right on. There was that, but we didn't move the couch because it was 800 pounds. You know, the ones with the bed inside and the coils and the springs and the plastic. Okay. So it's never too late to teach your kids how to be able to support you through your retirement, which should always start as early as possible. So get that YouTube channel up, get subscribers, get advertisers for your daughter's show, um, you know, every now and then she can put a plug in for you to send you a few people, but <laughs> you know, she's got to, she's got to pay for those braces when they, you got to start early, you got to, you got to get, you know, start early, get them right. She's going to be an influencer. Uh, yeah. And I'm sure she'll have a lot of dad jokes. Yeah. So yeah. give me an idea of what kind of joke would your daughter have about having you as a father? Oh God! Wait, she doesn't have it yet. Like the jokes that she, the jokes she has on the show, are you gotta you gotta see the show because it's not like bump 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 punchline. Her joke, I can't remember any. There was one where she she told some joke and then she just started making fart you know fart noise under her armpit, and then I added a laugh track, and that's it's pretty. It's you know that's comedy right there. Let me see. She said a bunch of nonsensical things and then made funny gestures and funny sounds. Are you sure this wasn't the RNC convention? Uh, Hello! Uh -oh. <laughs> he went there. He went there. 
so I, I have another question. So, you know, we're all about the show's laughing, loving, and alive. So we try to bring in all those pieces into the show to, um, especially from our guests. And so you, obviously you do a lot with the laughing. So what's your take on how does uh, you and getting people to laugh, how does it make them more loving and more alive? Uh, well, you know, honestly, I, I mean, I, I just think one of the reasons I started to get that I got into comedies is because I wanted to, I just, I wanted to spread happiness and make people laugh. Like that's kind of what makes me happy. And, and, uh, when, when at my, at my wedding, my, my mom gave a speech and she was talking about my dad who had, had passed away years earlier. And one thing that he was always saying is he was always like, whenever we'd be fighting, cause I'm from a family of seven, he'd always say, you know, guys, you just got to just be good and just make each other happy. And so I really, you know, I really feel like that really sunk into my core and, 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 uh, and that is kind of what I use. And I really internalize that. And that's one thing I like to do, like doing comedy, it makes people happy. And I feel very lucky that I have a career and, and my job is to help people forget about their stresses and just take a break and laugh and, and, and let all that, you know, brain chemical stuff that makes you happy seep out and, and, and kind of forget about your problems. Does that make you a drug dealer? Yes, yes. <laughs> What in the world is that's happening my, over that's there? My job <laughs> Comedian slash drug dealer, dopamine. That's, that's all people are going to hear. You're bringing drug dealers on the show. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the sound clip you're going to isolate. Right. I, I, I deal in the drug dopamine. I make you laugh and you feel good. Now, Pat. Hey, John, hey, John, you know, um, I got to tell you, we got a couple of people who are texting their friends of mine, you know, somebody else I did the shakedown for to get them on the show. Can mm -hmm. you hear me? I can hear you. Oh, there. But okay. it was just frozen with you smiling for a yeah. minute there. <laughs> it's like this. Your ventriloquist. That's yeah. nothing new. <laughs> nothing new at all. Go ahead. <laughs> they, um, they're rappers. And I mean, hardcore rappers. And they said when they saw you were coming on the show that they looked you up and um, they said, Albeit, you know, they didn't know who you were. They thought you were in, let's see, in their words, it, your humor was pretty dope. And so they'll tell their friends. Oh, good. No, good, good, good. Well, that's good. Got to get the word out there. So, well, any way possible. So I'll take dope. <laughs> sure, Here we go. You're going to do with the, the other dealing. six dwarfs. You can't just take one. You got to take all the dwarfs. <laughs> all, the, all the what? All the dwarfs. <laughs> You can't just take dopey. You got to take all of them. Oh. Cheesy, <laughs> grumpy, dark. Sleepy, sneezy. <laughs> this is a sick bunch. I, you know, it's, and you know, back to what Elmer asked you, that's a very good question. You know, it was, and it was a very good answer because I found you when I was going through something and, you know, I, I watched some comedians and they were so dirty. By the time they got to the punchline, I didn't even remember what they were talking about. So it wasn't right. funny to me. But um, my whole life, I've been teased for being that wanderlust, hippie kind of, oh, you know, whole Bowie girl who likes, you know, jump on the train with that little bindle bag and stick. <laughs> and you yeah. made it where I was not ashamed to be that girl, you know, and because people, you can see it on people's faces when my husband and I go somewhere, he's always meticulously put together. And um, I probably look like I stink sometimes just because I'm that hippie girl. Mm. And you made me glad 
to be who I was. So with the alive thing, Elmer, you're saying it, it made me glad to be alive because your humor in that made it okay to be me. And I'm sure you've done the same for so many people and you'll never know, even though you think you're playing for a house of zero, it, I, yeah. I'm sure you're blessing a lot of people with your gift. Well, th thank you. I'm glad you say that. I mean, after shows, a lot of people will cut like couples will come up and be like, oh, my gosh, your wife is me. It's like you were talking about us. You know, I get that a lot. And I am I do try to be very careful. Um, I think kind of now just in my in my brain, my brain is wired this way where I don't have to like think about it as much. And sometimes I break the rule, but I'm usually like I'm, I'm not making fun of my wife. If you, you know, it's usually I'm. It's usually self-deprecating where I'm the fool or the jokes on me, even though I'm pointing out how, you know, ridiculous it is that I think she buys this crazy soap that has twigs and sticks in it and, you know, <laughs> bread with, you know, pine cones sticking out the side of it, you know, because it's because it's it, people laugh because it's them seeing that through my eyes and how ridiculous that is versus I'm not saying she's a wacky, you know, because people are like, they can relate. They're like, yeah, we we buy that, and that is weird. And so uh, I try to I try to not step on people to get the laugh. I mean, other than myself, which is you know fine. Well, and you know, I appreciate that type of comedy. You know, you have a few. I mean, I would think of like Ellen DeGeneres. Never really goes dirty, and she never goes into putting other people down. She's more self-deprecating in her humor usually, yeah. and. You know, she doesn't go in for like the juggler vein type of humor. But I keep on hearing about that your wife is a hippie. Now I look at you and I think that's a ponytail I see at the at the back <laughs> of your head. I see this, yeah. I look and I go, she's more hippie than you. Well, see, and she's, see, well, you know, it's funny is like what you were saying, uh, Rain, as far as going out, like people, he's so put together and people think you smell well. People probably think I smell, I probably do smell, and she <laughs> is put together pretty well. Uh, but uh, yeah, the, the hair, when my wife met me, I had a ponytail and I was convinced to cut it not long after just because she was sick of finding my hair everywhere in the house, including her butt crack. And uh, <laughs> so I cut it and had it short for a while. But I always liked it. And so, you know, when I turned 40 and my midlife crisis, I was like, you know what? I'm I'm just growing it out again. So this is the third time in my life where I've had long hair. And I'm just I'm holding on to it as long as I can before she's like, ah, all right, I'm sick of sweeping up your hair. You can have to get her one of the videos where she can practice and so that she can have better tone in her butt so it stays closed so the hair doesn't get there and you'll be fine. Oh, good. yeah, that's what I'll get her for our anniversary is one of those workout yeah. videos for her glutes. Yeah, for her glutes. <laughs> yeah. I'll give you Dr. Kevin's number after this. Okay, thank you. To your wife and they can figure that out. <laughs> perfect, perfect. Hey, you'd be surprised. You surprised me, Johnny. I thought... I, I did not think you were over 40. Oh, thank you. Yeah, well, I am exactly 40. Oh, okay. My body has started falling apart ever since my birthday. I have back pains <laughs> and uh, yeah. Okay, well, you're not gonna get any, you're not gonna get any sympathy here because you're the youngest person in this room. <laughs> yeah. I'm the oldest person in this room, so. You're older than Rain? Yeah. 
What is that supposed to mean? <laughs> oh, okay, boy. Oh, boy. I better go off video while you guys settle this. <laughs> no, we could use a little humor. Let them go off video and you and I'll keep talking. <laughs> is it not bad enough that you killed my role in the movie? Now you're asking yeah. if he's older? So okay. Johnny, I, I don't know. If she, I don't know. If she, she tells everybody this. So you might have heard this story. So when you know, we had the the short, the other short, loving Martin that she was in, I had this huge monologue. Well, I didn't, but the writer did. I had this huge monologue for her. It was good, good two minutes at least. Yeah. And she came to set with everything memorized, better than the two leads. And when uh, you know, she she went through it. She impressed me. We did we did the movie, and then I the first cut I did not like the first cut, so I had to rearrange a bunch of stuff. And part of that was cutting her whole monologue out. Oh. And well, and then two two critics both said we loved Rain. We wish we saw more of her. <laughs> so ah. I was like, uh, <laughs> see, that's the difference that's between karma. a good actor and a bad director. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, hey. Look, you guys, some my friend from Russia says, yeah, the Johnny dude is really funny. I looked up the hippy dippy video and <laughs> oh. she said, I really like Elmer and Dr. Kevin. And they said, I think you guys have the best chemistry ever. Hey, that's what happens when you put three people together and you just find out you created a meth lab. Um, <laughs> anyway. Uh, so what do you think was the driving force to make you decide to do comedy? I did not want to wake up early in the morning. That was it. I worked at a home loan place before doing comedy. And every day I was, I just, I didn't want to be doing it. And I knew I was striving to do, to do, to make, to have my schedule, my comedy schedule big enough to where I could actually make the leap. And, uh, and do it but that's that was the driving force you were but you were already doing comedy while you were being a loan shyster yes okay yes i mean so, i mean i started my the summer between my freshman and sophomore year was the first time i did stand-up comedy in a comedy club and then i would just do all these shows during college the rest of the year okay so the freshman sophomore college not high school yes right okay yeah. And I never knew what I wanted to, I mean, I jumped around. I started in engineering, went to communications, uh, then business school. I ended up with a, like an IT degree. So I just kind of got through college, but I didn't really have a passion or calling other than, you know, entertaining. And uh, who was, was paying for your college education? One of the, well, me. Oh, so you were writing your own checks. I was what? So you were writing your own checks for your college education? Yeah, well, uh, yes. Okay, because I was going to say, if your parents were paying, they might not have found you quite as entertaining as you thought you were. <laughs> uh, <laughs> just wondering. Well, that was a, that was a rule my, my parents had. They're like, you can do whatever you want, but you have to go to college. And then after you, get your, after you go to college, then you can do whatever you want. So that's what I did. I went to college, graduated, and then I was like, all right, Okay, wait. I gotta figure out how to pay my bills. Your parents said you have to go to college, but they didn't pay for it. Okay, well, that wouldn't work for me. <laughs> like, hey, if I have to go to college, you have to pay for it. <laughs> well, I don't know. Big Catholic, seven kids, family. They, I mean, I didn't even question it because all you know, all three before me had gone to college. I was like, oh, I, that's just what you do. Okay, I hadn't even entertained the option of challenging it. <laughs> you were in the lemming phase of your exactly. life. Exactly. <laughs> 
Fall exactly. off a cliff. Okay. But what made you think you could do stand-up? I mean, like, what's what was the impetus that's, I, I mean, I know it's hard to imagine this, but I, I actually have stood up and done comedy on a stage before. I, I don't be too shocked. Uh, I just want to know. I totally believe that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I just want to know, what was that first time that said, I want to go and attack that mic like my favorite ice cream cone? What was what was what was that moment? I you mean like what was the moment that that gave me that like thought? I want to try it. I want to do this. I can do this. My brother is an actor and he had done stand up you know a year before I moved out there to live with him briefly and I just thought that was the coolest thing. I had done theater, I had done improv you know, okay, all okay. my life. And so I knew I, you know, I had the entertaining, but the entertainment bug I wanted, I loved making people laugh, but stand up okay. was like just this raw thing. I was a fan of it, but I'd never done it. And then my brother did it. And I was like, Oh, well, I, I want to try to do that. You know? And I, so I just got so excited. Like I just spent months leading up to that first time preparing my five minutes and I just was just so excited. And I was just like, oh, I'm going to this is going to be I'm going to murder. And then it went, you know, it went terribly. But I didn't realize that like they were laughing, <laughs> but they were laughing at what a train wreck I was. And I didn't realize it till I watched the tape way after I had gotten it. Because when I first went, they would tape it for you. And then you could be like, you know, I want twenty dollars. Can you make me a copy? And they'll say, yes, we'll get it to you in two weeks. You know, that's how long it takes our guy to make a copy. So I'm just sitting there on top of the world for two weeks thinking, oh, my God, did you hear all that laughter? That was great. And then I get the tape and I'm hearing them be like, oh, my God, like laughing at how terrible I am. Because it was <laughs> like I said, it was absurd. There's a lot of just nonsensical stuff trying to be silly. And, but that two weeks was enough for me to get hooked and be like, oh, my gosh, that was so fun. Thinking I did well. And I, in fact, did not. So what what did you have to tell yourself to be like, I, I can do this and do this well after seeing that tape? Um, I, I think it was just more of a challenge. I was like, OK, well, that felt that felt so good doing it. I guess I didn't do really well. I got to I want to figure out how to feel how I thought I felt. You know what I mean? And I want to I want to I want to know how to. I want to be able to do it. And, and at college, you know, I go back to college and I'm on the improv team and I, everyone knew like the improv team was huge at our college. It was like, we were like rock stars. So when I would do my stand-up shows, everyone came and I would fill the place and I would kill because I already had the audience on my side. They're like, Oh my gosh, the guy from improv is doing stand-up. And so it was just, it was like, it was almost like cheating, but it, it gave me so much confidence that, after after I started because that was just always safe audiences and then I started doing the comedy club for adults that don't know who I am and the first time I got hired to be a, the host after the first night the comedy the comedy the owner of the club said hey for the rest of the weekend don't do material just do the announcements <laughs> it's not working Oh, you'll, you'll get better, but you're not there. And we can't have people sitting through what's not funny at our, at this club. And I mean, that just killed me. You know, that was like my first, 
introduction to the real world. And I don't know how that didn't make me be like, all right, I guess I don't have it. But well, I, I just, just kept at it. I just figured you were going to say that you kept going because you figured you had no place else to go but up. Like you could only get better. Well, that's that is true. I mean, that's that is true, too. It's weird because like if, if someone told me I had to start over. I don't know what I would do. I might just go back to the home loan place and be like, oh, that's too long a journey. Hey, well, you know, if, if you can't find a real job and all you have to do is, you know, um, you know, present ludicrous things in a convincing way, you could just always run for office. <laughs> oh, boy. There I'd like go. for this show to stay on. Uh, <laughs> Hey, don't worry. Political. We're very on. Um, yes. So as you were uh, a kind of like evolving your skills and, and improv in some ways is as hard, if not harder than stand-up comedy, because mm. stand-up comedy, you prepare the material. And in good improv, because I've, I've done improv, improv is like my favorite thing to do if I'm going to yeah. be, you know. It's very fun. You have to be so on point because you mm. never know what's going to come at you. Yeah. Be able to like, you know, there's no script. There's no crutches. There's no prepared lines. You're like, yeah, you can't, you can't slip into autopilot when you're doing improv or everyone will know you were not paying attention. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So kudos to that. So, you know, once you said that you were part of the improv team, you're improv. I'm like, okay. So not, I mean, it's a different animal, but improv gives you a great skill set to be a really good comedian. Yeah. Especially if you want to do interaction with your audience, where you can say something to an audience member, not having any idea what they're going to say and be able to slip into that improv. Because some comedians, like if an audience member says something or somebody throws something sideways, you watch them crumble. Right. They have right. no ability to think on their feet. Yeah. Who are your it's, and it's also it's also like it also just gives you confidence because once you do improv enough, you're confident in yourself that you know you can handle it. So yep. you know you have the tools, but you also have the confidence to know I'm yep. the comedian, I'm in charge. This is gonna be funny. Who are your comic heroes? Who are the uh, ones that you study to go? Not that you want, not that you're gonna steal their material, though God knows that's been known to happen, but just that you look and say that's somebody i i really learned from or you know this like i would say brian regan jim gaffigan um you know steve martin like when i started out my early steve martin uh when he was doing stand-up like i'm a huge fan of of steve martin emo phillips um just that absurdist and uh there's a comedian named greg hahn that are do you know him i do know him and i also know brian regan brian regan and i are friends i opened for him 20 years ago at one of the hotels here in vegas oh really oh that's yeah. awesome yeah i just met him he's like oh he's been my hero and yeah. i was doing this was in uh i think january maybe uh yeah great guy maybe late last year, but I was, I was booked at the casino, Pachanga casino mm -hmm. in Temecula in the comedy club and I'm eating dinner the day of the show. And I look over and I see, you know, in the big theater that's across the hall from the comedy club is, is the big theater where they have big acts and Brian Regan was there the next day. 
So I reached out and, you know, just put a note and somehow got it to his tour manager that got it to him. And I just said, Hey, I'm a big fan. I'd love to just say hi and meet you between show after your show, before you show, whatever. And he said, you know, and I got a note back from the tour manager that was like, Hey, Brian's, you know, before the show, he's got a bunch of stuff, but he's going to come to your show. So like when I was doing my show on Friday night or Saturday night, the club manager was like, Oh, uh, Brian Regan called the club. He had us put 12 seats aside for him and his crew. He came and saw my entire show. And then we just partied until three in the morning. It was like, it was, I mean, that was one of my greatest nights doing, you know, in the business. It was insane. And then we did the same thing a couple months ago in Madison. It was like a few months later he was there and I was like, Hey, I live here. And so we went and did the town up. It was so cool. I'll tell him, I'll actually uh, shoot his girl a message when we get off of here. Cause I think Lisa might be watching and uh, I'll oh, okay, let her cool. know. I know. And I know we're at like two minutes. I can't. Yeah, so I was about this. to say that. Uh, you want to, do you want to take this home with him, Elmer? Well, uh, thank you for being on, and I hate to stop the fun that we're having. Um, oh, sure. But, yeah, thank, I appreciate you guys having me. This is fun. Great. And next, uh, and we are followed up by, on the 13th, we have the Sober Junkie joining us as our special guest. Yes, and you'll really like him. Native American rapper who, will his story, talk about being alive, um, someone who it ended up in a real, some real bad situations. And uh, while he was in prison, if I get the story right, he just started working on getting clean and straight. And now he's got like throngs of people following him because he has story filled rap. He's just oh, wow. amazing. So cool. yeah, cool. he's, he's watching you tonight too. So no, yes, cool. Well, exciting. Next week. Yeah, Johnny, two it's week, the week after. Weeks. Oh, two weeks. Okay. Yeah, I'm glad you Elmer doesn't let us out every week. All right. Every other week. Yeah. So my every my last my last question for you: Would you promote? Would you support Edie to become a stand-up comic when she became a teenager, early adult? That's a great question. I I would because I don't want to be a hypocrite. I would never push it on her. I and I would I would pray that's not the route she goes but yes of course i would support it i would totally support it and uh i would You'd let her would, be your opening act i would have a lot of advice i would i'd be her opening act <laughs> yeah for sure so now i want you to introduce douche you to my retirement plan that's, it's that's, eight o'clock. Good. Johnny, like don't hang up. We're gonna hey. get out of here, but don't hang up. Okay. Hey, Rain, you ready to play us out with the ukulele? Then air near near.